Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey Life Church, welcome back. So excited that you joined us again today. We are in week, uh, what week are we in? 22! We're in week 22 of our series called Wake Up the House. So we discovered we were incorrect. It is week, what? 21. It's week 21. And this is the third part of our series focused specifically on faith because as the body of Christ, it is pivotal for us to wake up our faith. Faith is believing. Now, if simply believing stuff would make a difference, how different would our lives be? Think about it. If you had to, if all you had to do is just believe, Think about how much different your world would be. Believing that I could still run as fast as I did when I was 21. Believing that my metabolism is still as fast as it was when I was young. And seeing is reality. Believing a carrot cake is the same as a carrot stick. If simply believing something was enough and nothing else is required, just imagine how different your life and my life would be like believing if you're pregnant that my childbirth is not going to be painful. I, I've seen three. They were very painful. Believing your finances are doing amazing and, and your credit card bills are paid off. And then seeing your account balance and all the Amazon sales on it. Two different things. Believing, believing uh, you will pass an exam without studying. And here's the thing, our problem is not knowing what to believe for because we know what the good things are and what the good things are to believe for in our lives, like good health and healthy relationships and stable finances and peace in the world and peace in our community. We, we know these things and we believe for these things, but the truth is simply knowing and believing doesn't make a difference. Because our lives and the whole world would be different if only believing in stuff, if that was all you needed. I do think believing and faith is a good start. Faith, believing and action is what is needed to make changes. But believing is connected with acting. Now we define faith. As acting like God is telling the truth. My conduct is going to represent God telling the truth in what he says. And faith is measured by steps, not by emotions. It's measured by feet, not by feelings. By movement. And not only by what you say out of your mouth. Faith must be exercised in order to be real. The Bible says that we are called to be walking by faith. Now I said last week. There are four things that all people who have enduring faith have in common. And we should admire people who have enduring faith. You should desire to be a person of enduring, lasting faith. That no matter what the circumstances are, your faith is strong and you're still acting and walking out what God is saying regarding the situation. You should desire to have an enduring faith. You should desire for that faith to be awoken in you. Now this week... We will look at the first common thing that that all these people with enduring faith, what they have in common. And the first one is the risk of faith. They are all willing to take the risk of faith. So here's the situation. We have the disciples who are in a difficult situation. 
a situation in which Peter is going to take a risk. A risk is where you take a chance without being assured of how things are going to work out. Now, you and I, we are used to taking risks in our life. We take risks all the time. The risk of being turned down. The risk of driving in a car. The risk of flying. Yeah, don't think that's risky getting into a, a few thousand pounds plane metal with people in it and luggage flying across the world. That's a risk. Risk taking is a major part of our lives. You are taking a risk in simply just crossing the street. But it's interesting how many people will take a risk in life daily, but who won't give God a chance. They will risk things like what people tell them to do. Jump out of an airplane with a piece of cloth attached to your back. Or the risk of jumping off uh, a bridge with an elastic attached to your leg. But we won't risk trusting in God in the way of taking a risk of seeing things that are not there yet, but I know that my God said something about it and I'm going to follow through on what he said. We're not willing to take those risks. In the Bible, many people had to take risks. They had to believe and act like God is telling the truth while being uncertain about where things were going to wind up. Here's a few examples. We know Abraham, the father of our faith, left his homeland. We know Noah had to build an ark. We, we know Joseph was a prisoner, still believing in the plan that God had for him. We know Jonah. Okay, maybe not Jonah. We, we know Moses. Moses is a fantastic example. He's leading his people out of Egypt, and they are at the Red Sea, and the enemy is behind them coming to kill them. And all they have in front of them is, is this massive body of water, and Moses strikes the water, and the next moment what happens is the water parts, and you've got these massive, gigantic walls of water, and an amazing miracle. But here's the risk. Somebody still had to decide to take the first steps into this parting water body wall. Who was that guy? That was somebody who took the risk of faith. They took a chance. And the Bible calls it faith because it's talking about trusting in God and acting like what he said is truth. So we're talking about do you count on God. In your life, if I ask you the question, do you count on him? If, if God had a number on a roulette table, would you put all you have on him or would you spread it out? Now the disciples, they are in a storm. They are in a storm while being, this is interesting, in the will of God. Jesus told them to get in the boat to cross over to the other side. So they get in the boat to cross over to the other side. So they are perfectly in God's will, right? I'm in God's will. They're obeying him. They're doing exactly what he told them to do. Let's read from Matthew 14, verse 22. It says the following. Immediately after, he compelled his disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So he told them to go ahead of him to the other side. So this sermon, this message today is particularly for those 
who are seeking to please God. You are intentional about obeying God. You are doing exactly what God has told you to do to the best of your abilities. You're not living in sin. You're not living in unconfessing. You're not in rebellion. You're not walking away from God. And yet, you're in a storm. Now, please hear me. People of enduring faith don't live lives without storms. Let me say that again. People with enduring faith don't live lives without storms. Enduring faith don't remove storms. So the first thing you need to know is when you are in the will of God, you can be in the will of God and you can be in a storm at the same time. It says in verse 24, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So, so the disciples listened. They got into the boat. Here's the situation. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to please God like they did? And yet you're in a storm. And the harder you work to go where God wants you to go, the more resistance you're getting in arriving there. It says the wind was contrary to them. Again, in another translation, contrary to them. It was against them. So they were rowing to go this way and the wind was blowing them that way. So they weren't making any progress. And, and they're in the will of God and they're in a storm. And now some of you are asking this question. I am in the will of God. How come there is a storm? Because in this world we are living in, there will be storms and there will be waves. Because we have an enemy who wants to kill, steal and destroy your life. Now we continue reading. We see that they were in the fourth watch. The fourth watch means 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So it was dark. It's dark. So verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Here is most of us. We would have experienced the same thing. Most of us would have thought to ourselves. What is going on? I'm doing what God is telling me to do. I'm obeying God. I'm in a storm. What's up with what's going on? Stuff is blowing me back and forth, blowing against me, causing me not to go in the direction I'm supposed to go. And it's dark. I can't see a thing. Well, first of all, Jesus speaks to them in verse 27. It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. So, so they're in a storm and they, and they get a sermon. Isn't that how it goes? When you're in a storm and you tell people about it, what do you get? A sermon. They see this figure coming to them. There's enough moonlight for them to see something walking on the water. And you have 12 grown men screaming, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. It is I. They get a sermon. And Peter said to him, verse 28, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Okay, now watch this. Jesus gives a sermon to 12 disciples. 
He said, don't be discouraged, it is I. Don't be afraid, it is I. Don't be discouraged, it is I. All of them heard it. They got a sermon and everybody got the same sermon. Yet Peter says, my boy Peter, I can't speak for the other 11, but bid me to come to you. Based on your general word, it is you. I need a personal word directed towards me, Peter, that will allow me to experience the miraculous, even in a stormy, in a stormy wild situation. When you hear a general word, don't stop there. Don't be satisfied with just a sermon for everybody. Don't be satisfied with national news. Every sermon you hear, say, God, make this personal news, local news to me. Don't be satisfied with at least I was in the boat. At least I showed up on Sundays. No, you need to be a person that wants a personal word where God speaks to you and tells you, Peter, Mark, Claire, Wayne, Rebecca, come. And when you hear his voice directed to your unique situation, you have to respond to it because that is what builds our faith. And that is what takes us from infants to mature believers in Christ. Now remember, faith in the Bible is always based on God's word. Jesus will never say anything that will contradict his word. Jesus is the word that became flesh. And you can have faith in what he said and also in what he is doing. He is busy doing the very thing Peter asked him about. Now, I want you to remember this again. All 12 are in God's will because all of them are doing what God told them to do, which is go to the other side. But Peter says, I want something more. I want to experience the miraculous, the supernatural because I want to walk on water. And he makes a specific request. This is not a general Lord bless me today. No, no. This is a, I want to walk on the storm like you are walking on the storm. I want to walk on the storm because Jesus is walking on the storm. They're not expecting Jesus in the storm to start off with. So let me explain something. One of the reasons Jesus allows I want to say this, not cause allows you to be in a storm is for you to see what it looks like in a stormy situation. He's not panicking. He's not worried. He's not wringing his hands trying to figure out what are we going to do. He wants you to see his might and his power and his wisdom and his peace. One of the reasons he, he allows us to go through a storm is he wants us, you and me, to see him as you've never seen him before. He's not worried about the storms. Do you see that? Jesus is walking on it. See, it's easy and nice and sweet to say, you know, I see God in church every week. But when you see him walking on the storm, watch this. And the storm is the problem? I mean, come on now. We live in a world where there are storms. But he says that in an ideal time, the ideal time for you to see him is when he is on top of the storms and the problems that we are in. 
for us to be surrounded by his presence in those difficult times. So he actually uses the storm to walk on. So he's walking on the problem because the problem is the storm. So Peter says, I want to walk on the problem too. You walking on the problem. I want to walk on the problem. I want to know what it feels like to walk on a problem rather than my problem walking on me. And he's in the will of God. Only Peter makes the request. None of the others. Not one of the other 11. Which is strange. Because just before this happens, before this whole incident, Jesus fed 5,000 people on a mountain with five loaves of bread and two fish. And they all saw that miracle. So they were all exposed to the same miracles. They had been exposed to the same teachings of Jesus for the same time. And they see Jesus walking on the water and they hear the same words. Be encouraged. Don't be afraid. It is I. So it's not that Jesus had favorites. Because they were all exposed to the same things. It's just that Peter exercised faith. The others were satisfied with a sermon. So the 11 don't get to experience the supernatural. Only Peter does. The supernatural is when God interferes in your life. Do you want God to interfere in your life? That means we have to wake up our faith. So what we have discovered so far is the following. Obedience can lead to rough sailing. You can obey God and be in a rough situation. Obedience led them to a place of darkness where they can't see a way out. Jesus spoke a word to all of them, the same word about the situation, but only Peter responds. So he gets out of the boat and guess what happens? Peter starts walking on the water. Peter is walking on water. Now, the water is the problem. It's a storm. Peter is in a storm where the water is rough and they are scared of drowning. So what is Peter doing? He's walking on his problem because he's walking on a stormy situation. But then something goes wrong. If you know the story, um, track with me. Something goes wrong. It says in verse 30, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, so many interesting things in this passage. Peter is walking on the water and then it says, but seeing the wind. Now, you can't see the wind. Let me show you. Could you see the wind I just created? No, you can't see the wind. So we can't see the wind. So, so what was he seeing that was affecting him and that was the effect of the wind that caused him to have fear? It was the wind and the waves combining with water splashing up and the waves becoming bigger. So he was seeing the storm, the wind whip up water. But wait, he saw the wind before he got out of the boat also. Because we're already told that it was a storm that they were in. The storm didn't show up when Peter got out of the boat. The storm was already there. So this is not new to his sight. But it was a shift in his sight. He's now focusing on the wind. And when he focuses on the bigness of the problem, 
he begins to go under. He begins to, to sink. And the shift in his focus from Jesus to the circumstances changes him from being a victor into being a victim. His circumstances replaced his savior. And when his circumstances replaced his savior, his circumstances took over and he began to sink and go under. He became subject to the circumstances once his eyes left his savior. When his eyes were on the savior, his circumstances did not change. He was still in the storm. He was walking on the water. But the difference was he was on top of it. It wasn't on top of him. And the way you know your focus is right is not whether the circumstances change. And I want this to say this again. The way you know your focus is right, it's not whether the circumstances change. It's whether you are on top of it or is it on top of you. Whether you're walking on it or is it sucking you under? Your, your stress, your finances, your work, your life, whatever's going on. Are you on top of it? Or is it pulling you under? And Jesus says to him, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. He didn't say to him, O you of no faith. He said, O ye of little faith. Which means, he had big faith. So he went from big faith. Because he got out of the boat, he walked on the water towards Jesus, big faith, walking out faith every day, you know, enduring faith. He went from that faith to a matter of seconds to little faith. Now, how do you go from big faith that gets you started to little faith that drowns you? Focus. Focus will determine your faith. And faithlessness will determine your fear. He lost his faith because of the growth of fear. But fear only grew because faith diminished. And faith only diminished because focus was shifted. Do you see how this all worked together? People with enduring faith. They keep walking even though it's risky because they are focused on Jesus. Let me say it another way. When your focus shifts, your faith diminishes. When your faith diminishes, your fear grows. It is the focus that is the key. When he shifted his focus to his circumstances, the wind and the waves and everything else around him, fear grew and faith diminished. It got smaller. It became little faith. And he went from great faith to little faith because he let the circumstances trump his Savior. When you see great people in the Bible do things and trust in God, take the risk of faith, take a chance on God, not knowing how things are going to work out fully. It's because of their focus. Focus overpowers risk. I am willing to take the risk if my focus remains on the object of my faith. Gideon, such an amazing example. He was, he was a coward hiding in a wine press, hiding from the problems that's going on around him until he got a word from God. And he decided, I will risk trusting God. 
I will take the risk. And he had an amazing focus. Gideon, he said, you will fight your enemy. And Gideon got an army together of 30,000 men. And God said, no, 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 Gideon. I only need 300 men and me. The only way you walk into a battle like that and think you will win is if you trust in God. And that takes tremendous risk. Just think about the risk that Gideon was taking in trusting in God with only 300 men. Now, we aren't told uh, the numbers of the Midian army. The only thing we know is the spoils. The spoils of this war that Gideon won with his 300 men and God were 32,000, let me say that again, 32,000 virgin women. They killed all the men. They killed all the ladies that already had kids. And what was left over, 32,000 virgin woman. See, it's a matter of focus, which is why praise is so important, because praise shifts your focus. That's why there are all these distractions that are coming in the middle at you, uh, in the middle of your circumstances, trying to suck you under, trying to drown you, to keep you from walking on it, rather trying to suck you into it because it wants you to shift your focus. For some of us right now, your miracle would simply be not drowning. You're not even walking on the water anymore. You're at the place where you've already fallen into the water. It's because you've shifted your focus. Your circumstances are sucking you in. I want to invite you to a savior. And I love this. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. Now, God doesn't cause your circumstances to pull you under, but he knows for many of us, it's the only way we will refocus. He wants us to do what Peter did. He wants you to do what Peter did. Peter looked at the waves. He looked at the wind. He looked at all the things, all the bad stuff, and he began to go under, and he knew he could not swim in the storm and save himself. So he knew he only had one other option, and that was to cry out to the one who was not sinking in the midst of the storm. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus said, that is exactly what I was waiting for. For all of you listening today, right now, if you feel you are sinking, you are going under, put your focus on Jesus. Cry out, Jesus, save me. I need your help and take the risk on him on his ways on his instructions on his love for you God wants you to focus on him because of the plans that he has for you when they got into the boat so Jesus saves Peter and it says when they got into the boat you know what happened immediately the wind stopped and it says and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying you are certainly God's son you know why God does the miraculous why he wants to do it in your life so you can see who he really is so you can see this ain't no ordinary person you're dealing with jesus is not just a, a regular guy he's not just a superhero he's not just a great religious figure he is the object of our faith and if you want to walk on water you got to get out of the boat or you'll be be like the other 11 You'll be in the boat listening to a message every Sunday and you will never have your own testimony. You'll be able to give reports on somebody else's report card, but you'll never have your own report card on what he's done for you. And I'm asking you, take 
the risk. Take the risk of faith. A turtle can only make progress when it sticks its head out. See, if it keeps its head in, it ain't going nowhere. In order for it to go somewhere, it has to stick his head out. I'm, vi I'm inviting you, I'm asking you to stick your head out and take a risk on Jesus Christ, the object of our faith. And believe that he who began the great work in you is able to complete it. I know faith can be a risky business because we're asked to believe God and trust God sometimes in weird situations and circumstances and to do things not how our opinion would tell us to do it necessarily. And I will admit for myself, I know you've been there too when things are rough and stormy and when there's no answer in sight. And Jesus wants us to keep our eyes focused on Him during those times. Believe when it looks like it's unbelievable. To take a step out on God when you're not sure whether you can stay up. Yes, faith is a risk. But God wants you to trust His integrity. So you could say to him, catch me in this situation. When you step out and you start falling, you just yell, Jesus, help me. For us, it feels risky to trust God's ways. But when you start applying the principles of faith in your life, that is pleasing to God. And God has given access to your life to bring about change. Catch me in this circumstance. Catch me where I am right now. I know some of you, you, you feel like you're drowning. Some of you are already, it feels like you've already gone under. It's never too late to cry, Jesus, help me. I have learned that I can trust God's integrity. Take the risk of faith and start today. For some of you who have never accepted Christ in your life, it starts with a simple thing of saying, Jesus, I accept you. I accept you as my savior. And that is the first risk of faith that you have to take today. So if you've never said that before, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you are listening to this message and you feel God's spirit inside of you saying, do you accept me as your savior? I want you to respond and I want you to say, yes, Jesus, I accept you. Now, if you, if you said that, and if you're thinking that, I want you to pray with me. Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Today, I start my journey with trusting you. It feels risky because I've always been in control of my own life. And today, I am making a decision to give the reins over to you. Thank you that I know that you are trustworthy. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you want somebody to, to pray with you and to help you on your journey, please contact us. Uh, our email is info at thisislifechurch.com and we'd love to start a journey with you. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. 
If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.